All right, folks, here we go. Episode one, season one of The Witcher. Spoiler alert, I love the the games, I love the books, and boy, do I love this series. This is my third time through, essentially. I did mostly a second playthrough. Um, in some scenes, I've seen actually more than twice, uh, the, the sort of more artistically interesting ones. This is on the cusp of being one of those scenes. This is so straight from Lord of the Rings, and while it wasn't the bait and switch I was expecting, where he would confront a monster, exactly this monster that Kikimura we're about to see jump out, I thought maybe they would talk their way through the situation, at least briefly, because he tries that with all the creatures, but I guess a giant spider, you know, who's not Shelob, it looks like Shelob, like all giant spiders, whoop, there he goes, um... And there's, you know, so immediately this looks like cheesy fantasy with, like, okay effects. It really gives the wrong impression about the show, but we had to see the monster hunter hunting monsters because he doesn't normally do that in the books, even though he's a witcher who are monster hunters. That's part of the character. He's mostly trying to save people, and he's, he's just getting started here. And so from both an effects and tone and even plot standpoint, this was in some ways the, the wrong thing to start with, but in some ways uh, inevitable. It's inevitable, Mr. Anderson. Um, it, it, this was the inevitable one. Right, with Roach getting scared, your fear m- meter on the Witcher games, if you played it, is going up for Roach. Oh, Roach. Roach gets scared easily. Geralt loves him. He's more of a coward than, uh, than Dandelion. This is hilarious. Sorry, guys, I am going to call Jaskier Dandelion, because that's his name in almost all the books and games, if not all. Occasionally, Dandelion, which is another version of Dandelion. Oh, this is so brutal. Right through the face, and there's the potion. This is what happens when you take a lot of potions as a witcher in the game, and then you get, you know, tired out. Even if you win the fight, your stamina is low, your health is low. Uh, this stuff, this Palpatine kind of stuff starts happening. It's way more appealing here on the gorgeous Henry Cavill. Let's just get it out. Women know that he's hot, and men do too. Only a few will admit it. I will be one to admit. I've said it from the beginning. Alistair and everyone else out there, we've we've talked about this, the hotness of Henry Cavill on the Bizzlecast, and uh, God, is he good. I mean, as stoic but somewhat quirky character for the entire books, he's the perfect guy to do it. Oh, listen, it's glorious music. So they released Dandelion's first big song from the next episode at the end. And this track, which is the Witcher theme, essentially, which they play at the beginning and or end of every episode, essentially, and sometimes during, which I love, which is very much a part of the game, which has tons of great music. Uh, but there are a few themes, uh, like combat themes and stuff that come back a lot. Okay, so, look, I did not know all... Uh, let's put it this way. I followed pretty closely. There was nothing major about the season in terms of what was going to happen that was not spoiled to me intentionally by myself. Um, and, and uh, but I did stay away from the exact episode order in the exact uh, description of the episodes because I wanted to immediately be like that's from the Last Wish or that's from Sword of Destiny or that's from both or that's hinting towards a future book or whatever I wanted to have that experience myself and uh, it's important to point out right away this is the first major chapter not the first chapter uh, not even the second chapter maybe the third or fourth official chapter of uh, the first book of the Last Wish is exactly the Renfrey uh, Strigobor story that we're about to see in this episode episode and it unfolds almost exactly how it unfolds in the book i mean the, and, and this is gonna be tough the only challenge of the commentary guys is do not both rave and point out how similar this is to the book so i'm going to focus what works great from a filmic television you know photography stand you know aesthetic standpoint in terms of writing for television writing epic fantasy whatever I'll focus on that stuff um and uh, if it converges or mirrors in a huge important way well hank with the renfrey character and strigobor the two main opponents who he has to decide between doesn't like either of them but um 
um, and they're both important for different ways. Here's Remfrey, immediately strong woman badass, which was the other reason to do this. And you know, the director Lauren Hissrick, God bless her, who did or the showrunner who was spectacular, did a spectacular job with the series. Mentioned this episode, the one that she wanted to do and do hard and do early. Um, and <laughs> son of a gun, it's actually the first major chapter in The Last Wish. And so on top of everything working here with the Geralt having uh, actually a soft touch with women, women being attracted to Geralt, wanting to help him, him wanting to help women who are both powerful and not powerful, um, and definitely people of magic um, or, you know, witching ways, as is sort of the case with Renfrey here. Um, she's she's one of, she's an out-of-control, I believe they call her a Shrike or a Shriek or something, in the books. They play her pretty straight here. This is how she plays in the books. It's only the outside lore and some things that we get hinted that she's, you know, crazier than Yennefer, but actually way under control than a sorceress like Yennefer, and has, you know, major royal blood and, and, and all the complicated stuff, but it was mostly important that you'd have this horrible town, and now it already feels me like Game of Thrones with the thugs, but you'd have the woman come in without too much force, and she's a drinker, um, and get them out of the way. This woman is great at this character, so, you know, most of Subkovsky's uh, books, especially the short story books, have interludes after, after and before every chapter, um, and they're great, uh, usually from Dandelion's perspective, or like a, a few, much far future storyteller, or something like that, and too long, and then back to the main chapter. But while this is the second full-length chapter in The Last Wish, the first one is really just, here's Geralt, here's him killing people, here's him going after monsters, my name is Geralt, I'm a witcher, here's what a witcher is, you know, it's the intro, it's the tutorial chapter. But this one immediately takes you into the wider world of magic and politics and intrigue, and everyone who Geralt thinks he's working, and they're working Geralt, and he ends up doing something he doesn't want to do, or get into unwinnable situations, uh, to, to, um, uh, to pay, to pay, uh, pay homage to the you know the uh, the, the Stark it's Rogers conversation. So, anyways, so this immediately takes you into uh, the to, to the wider Witcher world, and while. <laughs> In the books, it's not till towards the end of the second of the two short story books that came first, but are now sort of prequels to what will be the series saga starting in season two. We will get back to that. Um, but by the end of Sword of Destiny, the books, it's it's really reading more like a novel. And then obviously with Siri and Geralt, um, you know, <laughs> spoiler, coming together, uh, it actually they linger on it more in the books. Uh, um, and it's in some ways more dramatic in the books. They went for a low-key reunion and, and just sort of final episode with Geralt and Siri, really trying hard to look for each other. We're not there yet. Um but since we weren't really going to meet Yennefer till episode two, and we had to have the first episode be Geralt, why not combine those first two uh, the, uh, um, chapters in The Last Wish, essentially? Like, we can have a Renfrey Strigobert story, but we can also, you know, because, I mean, this is the Butcher of Blavacant. I mean, this shuts up everything. It's crazy because Yennefer and Siri, and then, of course, you know, Jaskier slash Dandelion, but specifically Dandelion and Siri, you know, we know as readers, or if you're watching this for the first time, after a few episodes, you're like, okay, these are the main characters going forward for, for good or bad. They kind of seem like good guys. What's going on? This is a Game of Thrones. Not everyone's a horrible rapist, uh, adulterous bad guy. Um, uh, but 
even without the prophecy at the very end, which I swear I actually don't remember from the books. I- I'm going to get you that answer. When she's when Renfrey's dying, Simulant of nowhere, nowhere will say, look for the girl in the woods. She's your destiny. So at that moment, her corrupt ma- magical self or whatever, it ch- briefly channels like, could ma- pure magic somehow, because in, in, she wouldn't know. And that wouldn't be the last thing she would say necessarily, or maybe it is, you know, with, with crazy people who are crazy powerful but also kind of crazy they're gonna do some crazy stuff that was a deep point oh look there's the, there's the kiki morris claws or some big animals claws used on roach as what they call a trophy which actually gives you bonuses the bigger most disgusting monster you kill in the witcher you can strap it to your horse physically and it, it reflects you statistically like you have a 10 percent chance to dismember a bad guy which of course the bizzle takes every time uh oh uh, we're gonna do a good fight in this one but yeah the butcher of blavican which is one of his main names along with the white wolf starts here the strong female characters and again it's exactly this way in the book with Renfrey being the first um, with Strigobort. And now, I don't know how much they talk about Geralt knowing Strigobort already in this. This girl's obviously tricking him uh, or, or not in a, in a non-sexual way, kind of seducing him uh, to come because it, he, he thinks he's doing a mission for a game. It doesn't even exist anymore. It ends up being Strigobort, who he knows from the past, and we'll see in the show how much, if at all, they reference that. It, this is also important, even though she's totally a fraud, she is finding a way to connect with the girl in her sad uh, ending you know, message to him, please don't come back or get out of here, don't come back or whatever after the after the massacre of Blaviken, um, or I would say the self-defense of violence fest uh, of Blaviken. No, no, no massacre there. They were, they were specifically asking for what they get. Uh, we'll get there. Um, but I think this girl is genuinely interested in him, and someone threw a few coins and be like, hey, you're a personal girl. Like, just talk to him and walk him over here, and you don't have to say anything. We were not going to say anything. Here's a few coins. You know, I don't think she's this, like, devious thing. Maybe. They have a great conversation, and the whole point of this I'm going to get to is we need we know him and Siri aren't going to meet till the very, very end. Spoiler alert, which is exactly how it is in the books in The Sword of Destiny. Spoiler alert. Um, we had to have him interact with women, but also girls. And, uh, you know, Sapkowski's amazing at writing women and girls, and that's what ultimately as awesome as uh, um, as Geralt is, and as awesome in her own way as Jennifer is. It's really Siri during the Siri saga, which is what I call it the Siri saga. I don't think that's its official name. That's just what I call it, um, to be honest with you. Um, but. It, <laughs> You know, Siri is is the character you know Ray and Luke Skywalker you know want to be, but don't have nearly enough time to be. I've compared Siri mostly to Ray, and since I don't want to talk yet about the series cycle, I'll talk about this beautiful, brilliant first season. If you're new to the series, you've watched it, and now you're joining me. Welcome, but you don't know much more. Her future is sort of like Ray mixed with Ahsoka Tano, or straight up Ahsoka Tano. If you guys are Star Wars fans. Kikimura. Right, this is great. He got hired for Master Arian, who's been dead for 200 years. So, in the book, I'm not going to read a ton from the book, but I have to read you uh, Andrzej Sapkowski's introduction to describing this man. I forgot to look. Anyways, in lore, they know each other. Yeah, okay, he knows Dragobart. Durr. A very Geralt of you. Is that what he said? Witcher! You know what? I'll save, I'll save the chapter till, till the very end as a little as bonus. No, not a chapter, just half a paragraph. Alright. Does now he ask why there are so few? I offer you my condolences, but...
Right. So here's the introduction of you don't feel anything. You know, I mean, the thing here's here's the only problem the show has is Geralt's soft exterior is shed almost immediately starting next season slash in the next book, Blood of Elves, which will be season two when he's training and raising Sirius, his daughter. He's immediately a softie and the women end up being much harder on him. Um, he's hard on himself, but um, I mean, the women are very hard on him, sometimes for good reasons, sometimes for questionable reasons. But Sirius will always be loyal to Geralt even when she's mad at him. And that doesn't change. And that's important why he had that scene with a young, a young girl before um but you know in the books okay so obviously i'm assuming uh look how beautiful this is obviously i'm, I'm assuming you've seen the series if you haven't thank you I, i'm i'm honored but go see the series um but i don't want to talk if you've not read them or know about the series uh, pentology the five book series saga here she is um playing with the poor kids and they turn on her later which is a big part of unfortunately is there's a lot of rich bad guys and there's a lot of poor bad guys in the witcher but there are some rich good guys and some poor good guys and that's the point here's siri having a power thing like her mom Pavel but um but carol's such a softy and so they're gonna have to you know he's already getting soft because of yennefer and then his destiny siri uh in this you know in this season you can see it. Oh, look at her freya allen mm. beautiful young lady thank you freya allen um, and part of the reason I'm going to be playing up Siri is, oh, quickly, what I was going to say is I'm, I'm going to only be vague when it comes to what comes after this season, at least for a few episodes, even though I've read those five books, Blood of Elves through Lady of the Lake, the Siri pentology, this is great. We see, even though Peri- Siri's parents are gone, and we will learn why in a later episode, her grandparents are, are at least great with her. Her grandfather here, who's, you know, deferring to the woman who's the queen, is great. He's from Skellige, the Viking Isles, which, if anything, they don't, they don't play up enough that this guy's a viking basically um, he doesn't look like a one which is fine and now they're having they're they're, they're bored at, 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 at court i love that siri has the first piece of humor in this entire show for the side characters before we ever see dandelion uh, sorry jaskier slash dandelion or, or yennefer siri is immediately cute with the kids she's cute here she's funny her grandparents love her the only reason kalinthi who's a total psychopath as we'll see doesn't go completely off on them is it, it would reflect badly on her is the main reason but as she hints there is series her favorite and she makes so many horrible decisions that lead to the destruction of all of her people herself um and the beginning of the end in terms of um uh, Nilfgaard taking over the continent the bad guys um the pressure on her she's not totally insane diagnosably uh but she's just extremely volatile stubborn and makes bad decisions as things get worse and worse and worse but she loves siri and so in the very end when she tricks Geralt or tries to stupidly and Geralt's only fooled for like a minute with a little investigation he's only fooled for a minute that this girl siri calls her out on it they try and kill him again they're you know kalinthi's tr- constantly trying to kill Geralt in the books and here and he keeps trying to reach out to kalinthi and then he says i don't believe in destinies um and that's a big part of the books is him sneering at destiny and that's why he doesn't think the child surprise at the wedding scene coming up with the hedgehog that's why you know it's an unintentionally funny scene not unintentionally it's an intentionally super dark but with the dark funny side scene to it because you know Geralt accidentally catalyzes the Siri prophecy of which he is the second most important part next to Siri and he's laughing at it as a joke because he doesn't believe in that stuff oaths and and you know um, uh, things like what they call the law of uh, a surprise, which we'll talk about, you know, folk conventions, societal conventions. He doesn't live by that stuff, uh, but he sets it off. 
Um, back to bad guys. There are more kind of Games of Thronesy bad guys with each season of the main series pentology uh, book, I should say, and then season the series pentology uh, that starts next season, season two, with the, the work coming from the book that's called The Blood of Elves, the beginning of the series saga, um, with her training and Care Morin with the Witchers and specifically the Witcher. I'm Siri. I'm like Ray. I'm a Witcher, and I'm gonna be a great Witcher. And me and Geralt, we're gonna be the best Witchers of all the Witches. <laughs> that's how I hear Siri in my head. Oh. Um, God bless her. She's people who are already primed, or I should say, apt to to like characters like Luke Skywalker or Daisy Ridley as Rey. I mean, it's just set up with with Siri, and I'm going to keep talking about her because she seems so separate and she's on the run. She seems like a victim, but they do show her powers, uh, you know, magical and otherwise, a a little bit in this series. I'm not sure it matches up totally with the books, but it's completely believable in the spirit of uh, the books and from a power standpoint. Like she would have the power to do this. Her mom did it in the books and is going to do in the wedding episode. The you know the Jean Grey temper tantrum or whatever. I never thought of it that way. You know, whenever the phoenix gets pissed, it almost kills everybody with a scream. Um, okay, so just in terms of the plot, I, look, they keep the plot simple. Kiss. That's why Truth says to Michael Scott about Michael Scott, the best thing Michael ever taught me is K I S S. Keep it simple, stupid. Broke my heart. Best advice ever. <laughs> Keep it simple, stupid. Um, on the surface, this is a witcher who wants to kill this other strange, powerful woman, and, sh- and she wants the same, vice versa, and you know something's got to give. It results in him murdering almost everyone other than Strigobor here, who, you know, again, back to the bad guys. I think people, if they keep casting well, like the Strigobor here, uh, who's not big going forward in the series, but again, like the woman who plays um, Renfrey, the young woman who we're about to see again, and, you know, Geralt is basically a ping-pong, exactly a ping-pong, uh, going back and forth between this guy and um, and the young lady, Renfrey. So yeah, showrunner uh, Lauren Hisrick specifically was excited about telling the story, and they did a great job. And between the Kiki Mora and the fight and the deer, and he kills the deer off screen to eat it, and him loving Roach the horse, and he's a monster hunter, but he's got a conscience. And now the people are already seeming way worse than the monsters, which is the whole point of the show. Um, they nailed that in the games when they do conversion with the mass graves and genocide, and we're gonna see it already starting here. Um, now he hasn't met Yennefer yet, and so he. You know, he somewhat develops a soft spot because of Triss and Yennefer for some similar, some different reasons, which we'll get to. Uh, he claims he never trusts the witches, or the, you know, the sorcerer says he's more, he's more honorable and less mean. You know, um, calls them huntresses or what, or, um, enchantresses uh, or sorceresses. Um, kind of go back and forth between those. Anyways, you know, he he claims he doesn't like the magic users anymore because of his love for Yennefer. Sometimes he claims he hates them more because of Yennefer, and you can understand why their relationship, which I can't wait for. But again, I love they take their time, just like in the books. So, Strigobor is basically described as... Let me just read this. Here's a great dance scene. We're back with uh, the royal family. Um, the other important character, obviously, who they show tons in the trailer, which is very important, um, even though he plays a double of himself for many episodes. Spoiler alert is... Uh, is uh, Tricks and delusion to delights. Sorry, I'm just getting, I'm getting lost in the, uh, the show. Here's 
that scene. So, Malsek, the druid, all the way on the right here. We knew it's going to be important. He's important in the game lore. He's important in the book lore. And uh, he has some of the most screen time this season, including the clone that tries to look like him. I will admit there are a couple major plot points that, despite reading the books or hearing the books multiple times, because it's audiobooks, I sometimes go in and out. So, actually, some of these episodes were fresher, or I should say, I just knew less about them than I thought, uh, especially some of the subplots. One of them has to do with this relationship. I knew Skellige and, and Sintra were allies. I forgot that it was directly her grandfather, and she has, on top of the el- Elden- Elder Blood, she's got the Clinthy Blood and the Skellige Viking Blood. Um, uh, I believe Adam Levy is the guy who plays uh, Mausek. He's much younger than he looks in real life. Is a phenomenal actor. Um, but one of the main things I forget is the changeling being hired by bad guys to look like Mausek in order to bring Siri to them. The, you know, Nilfgaardian head head honcho, head of the First Order or whatever, or, or maybe we're working for himself and like that character the big baddie that looks like you know old John Connor from Terminator Genesis which I still like but most people haven't seen or hate um, looks like old John Connor like old John Connor um, who turns out to be evil bad <laughs> evil bad guy John Connor um, here's her first lesson right so she's starting to teach uh, Siri political stuff so anyways so Melzak but but her grandfather and just the Skellige people in general, as we will also see, are out of their minds, but at least honest and sort of noble in their weird way in the wedding scene. Um, unlike the underhanded next having Nifgardians and arguably the Centrians here with Kalinthi. I know I'm jumping between a lot of stuff. Keep in mind, guys. Two things. One, this is the quote-unquote present. And you just look at, oh, Freya Allen's so funny. I mean, that's the thing. She has to be so serious and scared for, for liter- literary and plot reasons here, a- a- starting, you know, after the, this bit in the first episode. But they, let's put it this way. Whoever they cast to play Siri has to be funny, at least someone who can act unintentionally funny. As Siri's often saying stupid and funny things because she's so brilliant, but but kind of nutso and, you know, and so passionate and enthusiastic which is why we love her, uh, but she does say and do some funny things, uh, uh, usually because she's trying too hard, because I'm Siri, I'm going to be the best witch of all the witches. Yeah, important that it, while the woman's in charge, you know, it's cool that the man is the, you know, the rock, which would make sense, you know, it's like why the first lady is the first lady, and why they're mostly loved, and they do great things. Um I won't comment about the current administration, but, you know, even, like, you know, uh, uh, let me not get into politics. The point is, even as sort of second-in-command, clearly he has to say, but mostly he's trying to keep Kalinthi rational and under control, and he gets worse and worse at it as this goes on. Here's the announcement. So, the ver- again, the first thing you have to keep in mind is there are two timelines. What we're watching with Geralt at the moment and this are not the same timeline. The G- G- Geralt's story, I believe, is, you know, many years ago, 100 years ago, something, whereas this is what I'm going to call the present, where Series 10, and, the, and this place is about to get burned to the ground. And they knew Nilfgaard was coming, and they're not the worst rulers, but they're not the best, and they, like we all do, put our head in the stand when there's an apocalyptic event of, of, of any magnitude or any sort, and, you know, now we're going to get to see her and them kick ass in a giantly <laughs> failed losing battle against Nilfgaard. Um... Uh, the jig music speeds up. Excellent. Da-da-da-da-da. You almost expect Dandelion to be here. He would if he knew about it. Uh, Roach. He loves his horse. 
And people, when you first learn about the roach thing that every horse he names, because they're going to die. Okay, there's no horse death in the first season, which was a good call. But eventually, a roach is going to die, and he's going to need a new horse, and he's going to call that horse Roach. Now, when you first are getting into the material, specifically the games, um, is this where he meets Renfrey or Triss already? I forget. Um, is that he's not naming them all the same things because he despises them. Um, you know, here's Renfrey. Or, or, you know, is indifferent towards them. He does it because he loves them and that's how he deals with it. It's to, you know, it's like when people lose a dog, you decide if you're going to get another puppy or not and how long you're going to wait. And him for necessity has to get another horse immediately, but they're always a roach. He's most honest with Roach. He does some of his most talking to Roach. All of this is straight from either, you know, again, straight from the literature or, you know, within the, the spirit of it. Um, when I say the spirit, it's things that I assume and or know that the writer, Sapkowski, would be happy with and even likes. Um, not, and he's talked about that he, he's given them free creative liberty is what he says, and they that's what they say. And the fact that this is, I think, the most loyal, I know it this way, I know for a fact this is more loyal than Lord of the Rings, or to the movies, or any of those materials, uh, with Lord of the Rings, the book. Um, and I've read enough of Game of Thrones to know enough about the books to know, especially because the author left who work at HBO on the series instead of the books, that it deviates from the books. So this series so rarely does. The Renfri story being this early, seeming like just the first major encounter of a person, personage like her, and, and a wizard like Stregobor, who is described, you know, as a, looking like a straight-up wizard. Um, but the story ends up being more important, both in terms of plot and the prophecy in Stregobor, uh, but also character... You know, this being the first character study of Geralt, it gets more and more important as it goes along, which every Force episode needs to do. This episode is also telling, whether you understand or not, even someone like me who doesn't watch a ton of, of TV, has to be the right stuff that I love like this. This woman's killing it, doing a great job. Um, is Sorry, I'm just watching these two actors just nail it. But, you know, I wanted this to, even though it's based on short stories, the short stories end up being more serialized and novelized than you realize at the time until you finish the second one, Sword of Destiny, and go back and reread them. And that's exactly how they did the series. So while this seems to be, you know, murder, uh, avoiding murder adventure of the week for Geralt early on, um, it's actually setting the story forward, and yet they managed to do it in almost the exact order uh, of the stories. Again, to tie the loop, finally, there are two timelines going on here and for at least for the first five episodes or so, where we see Ciri in the present right before and then running away in the woods after the raising to the ground and massacre of her people in her place in Sintra, her grandparents and so forth. Everything with the origin of um, of Geralt um, and Yennefer initially are could be hundreds of years in the past or just ten or twenty. Uh, once <laughs> Jaskier, Jaskier, Dandelion, whatever uh, gets uh, into the picture, it's then uh, it, you know it's something like ten years before. It's some number of years before series born, and then series born, and then you know she's ten, a blonde girl. We just saw at the beginning of this episode and going to see at the end. Um, and it's going to be confusing to some people. I said that in my initial podcast before I talked to anyone, when I was like the only person in my friends who had seen it because I binged it immediately. And uh, and so um, that's why I had to do a rewatch before doing this because I was just so in on the eight episodes. And what I was going to say is, 
for me, I actually watched this and said, oh, this is not going to be story of the week. They are for sure setting the tone and even the plot. Um, before you meet the main players, other than Geralt, they're already setting the tone and the plot for the entire series. I could feel it. It helps to have known the material and to have seen Netflix shows. Yeah, side note, Lauren Hisrick also did not only Daredevil, which I think is is excellent through three seasons. I have my favorites, but I think Daredevil is mostly excellent through three seasons. And as you guys know, there are some movies... Look, there's some movies I defend and I totally understand other people don't like, like Terminator Genesis, or in some way Matrix Reloaded. That's sort of on the fence. But there's some things like The Defenders. The Defenders team with Jessica Jones, Luke Cage, Iron Fist, uh, Jessica Henwick as Colleen Wing, you know, Matt Murdock, Daredevil, and so forth. It was so glorious and so great. It perked at eight episodes. And I didn't know until a little bit later after the announcement that she was the Daredevil slash Defenders person, but if you like Daredevil and or Defenders, or you've at least seen Daredevil and or Defenders, and you watch a lot of TV, you can see the influences. She even tries to get in, you know, punchy-punchy, hand-to-hand fights when she can, because they, they knew how to do brutality on Daredevil for a series like that extremely well. I, I did not expect this. I knew there... I, I, I actually didn't expect all the time stuff, either. I, I thought they were going to wait on Siri for at least a few episodes, completely wait on Siri, um, other than, like, some quick flashbacks. But instead of flashbacks, they just talk the Siri present timeline and then work into the present with uh, Geralt, Yennefer, and then Yaskier. I did not think we are getting a giant battle or even, you know, the presentation of a giant battle in the first one. Um, I guess I knew and said on the podcast that I it, it, it was seeming like Sintra was going to lose dramatically early on. But to get this, this is like the Fellowship of the Ring. Like, you had to start with Kate Blanchett t- t- telling the prophecy and then showing the last alliance of Elves and Ben versus the Orcs. You had to do it. Here you go. Boom. And they predictably, but necessarily, oh, man, Braveheart stuff. Really bloody. Let's watch this fight here. Through the neck. Right. So they actually... The, the scene um, at Sintra with the, the wedding coming up, um, it seems somewhat bloodless with Geralt and the Hedgehog Dooney defending themselves against all the guards at the Sintran courts. Um, here's Malsak uh, trying to comfort and advise her. He's such a good, good guy, uh, but they have to play him a tiny bit mischievous so that when he, be- when he becomes doubled, um, you know... Um, it would be a little confusing, maybe to Siri. You know, Siri it takes Siri too long to realize it's not Mousesack. Luckily, her friend does, and immediately she does. That's down the road. As a good guy here, he's much more of a good guy than Kalinthi, but he serves Kalinthi's whim, um, but he will give his advice to the queen the way he advises Geralt. But he's basically saying the same thing to the two of them, saying you're both avoiding your destiny and your responsibility, and this is irresponsible, and that's just going to happen. And it does with Kalinthi. It leads to her end, her husband's end, the, her kingdom, and everyone in her kingdom's end. Um, <laughs> And Sintra, um, other than Siri, and, and Geralt almost makes the decision that bad by avoiding his n- need to protect Siri, even though his grandmother tries to stop him numerous times from doing so. Her grandmother. He's he's the mentor, right? You need this person in your court. I'm not even talking about characters. I'm just looking at royalty in general. And I think, you know, what was interesting is that guy from a pure character standpoint in Game of Thrones is obviously Peter Dinklage, and he does become the hand for a while. Um, but he's in the worst house who doesn't want to listen to his message specifically, trying to be a kind of a good guy in the worst and most powerful and but evil house, you know, the Lannisters. Um, so he's wasted there. Here, Malthak is not wasted. 
you know, he becomes evil as the double, but he's always on the good side. And in fact, he's not, he's against the initial, you know, episode seven, uh, when Geralt comes back and says, I'm here for Siri, basically. And, and the queen says, no, I told you never come back. And they, you know, they try and assassinate Geralt at least once. And, uh, does Kalinthi. Mausek is both directly on screen, but you can also tell off screen very against assassinating Geralt. And as a spiritual guide, believes in the law of surprise, and that's why it's important that him that he's from Viking Skellige. That's why it's important the husband's from Viking Skellige because they're the ones who are in touch with nature and you know are, are barbaric in some ways, but extremely noble, honest, and, um, and you know true good guys who are, do protect Siri over and over again throughout the series. Oh uh, yeah, we see Kalinthi just murdering that guy. Oh, this is great. So, spoiler alert, Andrzej Sapkowski is the closet feminist. He said he doesn't like the F word, but if you read The Witcher, or even play The Witcher, oh, there goes the husband, straight in the face. Oh, man. And this is when Kalinthi loses it. And this is part of what informs, I mean, this is, you know, what rewatches reading the books. Why she's so, let's put it this way. She knows Geralt has to take Siri, but she's acting even against even more crazy than her normal craziness at the end. After this, and seeing her kingdom go down or whatever, she's even more. You know, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Yeah, I mean, she just lost it. <laughs> There's no word for it. She fucking lost it. There's the teasing of the bad guy. This is obviously reminiscent of William Wallace, three quarters dead, chasing down uh, the king and getting to a guy who's the king's defender. Only to see that the king's defender is the Judas betrayer of multiple times, uh, Robert the Bruce. So doing commentary... um, Definitely there's a time dilation uh, where I'm really focused in and... um, the episodes actually get longer doing the commentary, which I love because I never want them to end. Watching these, though, the first time especially, but even on the rewatches, um, I did mostly, you know, uh, literal, not literal rewatches. I did mostly, up oh, here, Siri. They got to make the decision. Who are these people again? Door opens. I think they're just acknowledging that she's Princess Cirilla. Siri, yes, the child surprise, the lion cub of Sintra, the ugly one, as Yennefer will start calling her. Um, oh man, I mean, they nailed everybody this first season, but from a pure writing standpoint, both the individual writing, but like the arc of the character who needed the most fleshing out, but stay within the, you know, stay loyal to who the character was in the books and the games, Yennefer, they absolutely prioritized and nailed, because Siri, we always, always going to be running in the woods, being powerful, but being scared, it has just to be here, because we're not at the Siri saga yet, you have to wait for her to become Rey, you know, or start to become someone like Rey, but with way more power um and uh, of course we revisit the dying scenes with um with grandma a few times and you know as i, I hopefully mentioned earlier during one of the dinner scenes was that you know the only thing she does right is love this girl you know she does many wrong things thinking that she's doing right by this girl who she loves but she is right to love this girl and she's also right at the very end of everybody in, in her world her universe before she dies her you know her last um, will and testament was for her to be with Geralt, which is where she should have been the first time Geralt is not blameless neither is she they both waited until the literal last moment when everything was literally burning to the ground i'll stop saying literally but 
it, you know, it is that dramatic. This guy's great as the commander. Um, you know, uh, you wanted to establish uh, minority actors as main and side characters right away. Obviously, uh, you know, and Sapkowski's fine with that. He's super progressive and liberal in real life. Let me just say that, and those themes will become more and more apparent as it goes along. It's not an agenda, but he's not much. He's not too into hating other people. He thinks maybe the rest of us should maybe not hate things that are different than us or similar, but definitely we should not hate things that are different than us because they're different from us. Um, that might be a liberal thing. That might just be a morals thing. I'll leave it up to you, but that's how he feels and that's how the characters are written. And so even this woman who's made so many horrible decisions, both in the books, you know, and she's, I will say, you know, this is an example of they've already complicated one of the more complicated, crazy, unpredictable women. Maybe the most unpredictable from moment to moment is her meetings with, with Geralt in the books, because she'll go from you're, you're the best, you're going to protect my child to, you know, you're the worst, kill him, uh, as we see in, in the wedding hall. And that's sort of her bipolar nutsoness. Um, but she does love Siri. She loves Siri truly. And this this is the this is the Siri effect is it, you know she has so many characteristics of the superheroes we see on and off screen obviously I mentioned Ray and Luke and Ahsoka a lot from Star Wars Paul Atreides and the Atreides children um, from Dune um, you know all the messiah pseudo messiah you know or just messianic characters um, that we love Harry Potter um, and so forth um, but Siri has the Captain America or I should even say she's got the Wonder Woman thing of like whether you realize that she's super powered or not, because she doesn't realize it. I mean, uh, you know, arguably Diana, until she fights Ares at the end of Wonder Woman 1, doesn't realize how powerful she is. Um, and takes a great emotion for that. Up here is Smellsack being a powerful druid, baby! Yes. And look how Vokas. Some people are like, oh, he's underpowered, is Mousak. First of all, I love people who love Mousak that much to care that he's underpowered. Um, but it fits more with the aesthetic they're establishing so far and the, uh, the, the feel of the episode. Right, he's just holding him back. He's trying. He's not killing them. He's, he's, he's a druid guy. Druids don't kill. They, you know, they, they try and make nature. Well, I guess they side on the side of nature over people, I suppose. Um, and, and so maybe they let people die who deserve to die, in their opinion, and usually in our opinion, if their hearts are true. Again, going back to the Skelligas, which I'll keep saying, the Skellige Islands, which the, the honorable, old school kind of Viking characters are from. I was trying to get to before a um, couple things. One, I, I, I'm only going to talk vaguely, at least for the first few episodes, about the five book series saga, pentology, whatever, coming up. It's starting in season two here and running. You would think five seasons for five books. I think it's going to be three, uh, and I have reasons why. It has to do with the video games, actually, and just the story of what happens after the books in The Witcher Three. How great it is. We all want it. The Wild Hunt, you know, al- you know, alien elves from another planet. It's just a spectacular way to would be to end the show in the sort of fifth, sixth, seventh season or whatever. Um, we'll get to that, but. Uh, um, that's sort of the level of spoilers you'll get of, of just sort of big theme or plot stuff from the later works to this. I don't want to spoil specific plot points, but to be honest with you guys, if, if the thing that attracted you to Game of Thrones was like big twists and turns and plot, well, there are many in this season and are straight from the book. Um, it's, you know, it's not what it's ultimately about. Um, but on the surface, you say Game of Thrones is a lot of backstabbing, or at least a lot of talking about backstabbing. It's, you know, it's just generally a lot of talking with occasional sudden moments of violence. Um, and that vague, generalistic description of Game of Thrones also would fit, uh, on the surface, The Witcher. Um, 
The difference is there's way more action. Not difference. What's interesting is there's way more action in the first couple books, as we see in this series. There's way more action, way more fighting um, in the last wish and sort of destiny. Even though on the surface they seem like fanciful, you know, fairy tales with you know, as we're going to see with genie and three wishes and you know a goat creature with elves at the edge of the world with dandelion and blah blah blah. Um, you know, more like on the surface sort of typical fairy tale stories. Um, but the violence really picks up because because of Siri and because of Nilfgaard, um, and uh, you know that's what forces Yennefer and Geralt to keep coming back together going forward. That's not a major spoiler. Yennefer's going to be back, guys. A big you know, and she's not dead. Sorry, um, it, it, you know, it is because of Siri individually, but also because of the world at large. Um, they always attribute it to Siri, no matter what, because they've been burned by people and kind of hate people because people hate them. Um, but they do love people deep down, which is why The Witcher is. <laughs> It spends his time saving people, making no money, rather than hunting monsters and making money. Um, and that's why, the, despite their fights, which they make, you know, a breakup fight with him and Dandelion and Jaskier late in the series, and then they come back together, which I'm not sure happens exactly that extreme way in the books, but they do spend some time apart, and then they come back together and eventually realize they're best buddies. Dandelion already knows it. He's just the annoying tag-along, um, Jaskier, um, but he's a brilliant guy, as we'll get back to, on top of his class in the Science Academy, so it's not just music with him. He's one of those, you know, uh, uh, what do they call them? Polymaths. I'm assuming there's a romance, at least on the surface, in the story. Um, I wasn't able to get through the whole story. I was just listening to music, prepping to do this. It would make sense. All, all you know, beautiful, complicated, magical females are attracted to him, and he's attracted to them. And there's not that many of them, what I described. Um, and there's very few of him. Uh, you know, even the author made a joke, you know, when he first met Henry Cavill in his not in his costume, like watching, you know, because the, they, they would give videos to the, the writer, the original writer, Andrew Sokovsky. He actually was trusting them from early on. And, and like with the video games, you're like, I trust you to do something cool with my property. I'm not going to interfere too much. But he did come to set and, you know, Henry Cavill out, out of the uh, the costume, just looking like gorgeous, stunning, you know, chiseled m- man meat that is Henry Cavill. The Polish guy's response reportedly was, I did not write this. <laughs> Meaning, <laughs> you know, what he's essentially saying is maybe Geralt was handsome in my books maybe not oh here's the bird egg but I didn't write him to be this stunningly good looking and handsome brilliant um, and, and you know you have to win a lot of dialogue in your book and that's why they have to you know it's not that the action big action the first and the last two episodes are my least favorite it's just you know we've seen this medieval stuff before it's super fun when we get to the one-on-one sword battles and stuff it's not really what i cared about and they have to play it up in this season to make people realize it's an epic because in the books is mostly dialogue um and then the crazy plot things that happen um you know are um uh, you know, our desserts, but it's mostly these long bits the characters get back and forth as they try to understand one another. And so, while things on the surface pick up in terms of bad guys and the search for Siri and the training of Siri um, in the forthcoming books and starting in the next season, season two, uh, with the blood of elves and going forward with the Siri saga, um, that's not really what it ultimately makes The Witcher special to, to people, I don't think. Um, it, it just complements and supplements it. What makes it special is that it's like the best written dialogue this side of Terry Pratchett. I, you know, I put J.K. Rowling on my Mount Rushmore of fantasy writers because everyone else, you know, of all ages, people who I respect, um, 
everyone loves Harry Potter. I just haven't had time for it. I have so much else to read. Um, and I really want to get invested in the series. This was the first fantasy series I've been invested in a long time, like really invested in. It's usually revisiting Tolkien or Feist or my two. Um, but Sobkowski jumped up there with, with Tolkien. And what I was going to say was, with this gory uh, orc violence storming, let's be honest, I mean, basically a, a lower key, lower budget uh, version of storming. Um, well, I guess storming into Towers and in Return of the King. You're conceding. Siri knows the politics. Um, no, but I do want to mention, this is a great scene. Again, I'm hoping you've seen this, and you can always tune me out. Oh, they're just slicing women in the neck. I mean, you know, that's what I'm saying. They had, they had to do the big battle stuff to, to set up how epic this is, but there are long stretches of The Witcher, even in late in the series saga, where it's a lot of talking, a lot of dialogue, and I'm curious to see, because it is more and more bad guys with long speeches. They're great long speeches, and the bad guys are more interesting than a lot of the Game of Thrones bad guys. We'll see if people agree with that. And the fact that, you know, Gilgoforts is such an openly good guy in this first season and is so handsome, and I have to say, it's not just that they cast great side and secondary minority actors, but as we go along, Yennefer's first romance, who's spying on her but loves her, who's like a wizard himself, um, and uh, and especially Gil- uh, Gilgafort. <laughs> Sorry, hold on. You are the Lion Cup of Sintra! Oh! Again, you're gonna have to trust me, guys, if you don't know, you tr- that she becomes so powerful. Oh, there's the X-Men thing. She's already powerful. She's already powerful. Kalinti knows it. She's seen this before. Mm. But Vilgefort is becomes such the, the the symbol of the horrific baddie that was initially pretending to be good, but by casting this incredibly talented, as we'll say, in my opinion, I'm breaking him down like an actor, incredibly talented young man of color who is gripping to watch and listen to. I had never heard of him before. I don't think I had heard that Vilgefort was being excellently cast and I'm thrilled that they're giving a lot of bad guy lines to minorities because I've often said this about star Wars too. Until we get a major female bad guy in star Wars, it's not going to be truly equal, even with all the female heroines and in these fantasy series and so forth. That's what game Thrones did do well is the good guys were often good gals and bad guys were often bad gals. and, And that's what you need. Um, I will give that to the show Game of Thrones, but that is specifically written into... Sorry, Andrei Sapkowski, you're on the Mount Rushmore. I, I, I love you. This is a highly feminist work, as we'll see, and I keep teasing, with Renfrey and Kalinthi and, and uh, young Siri being the lead characters, essentially, with the most screen time, or at least as much screen time as Geralt, um, is, is, you know, this continues throughout, and I think if you watched it and you liked it and you're listening to this now, you're cool with having strong female characters, but that's why you needed the the dual hearts to be a young girl in Siri and Geralt. Um, and, you know, uh, again, non-specific, you know, not non-specific thing about Geralt down the line is he has to make plenty of compromising decisions to protect Siri once he's decided to do that. Spoiler alert, it's at the end of the season already, and it's going to be for the whole thing. It's Geralt and Siri. I'm Siri. I'm going to be a witcher with Geralt, the best witcher of all the witchers. Um, but, oh yeah, back to my point. You know, to, to give one of the most important characters going forward, uh, to giving that part to someone who clearly has massive mega talent, um, who plays Vilgefortz at the end, last couple episodes, has a really, really good-seeming uh, mage, wizard, good guy. But here's what you got to know, guys. is you. 
is is not so powerful as the female mages are uh, enchantresses and they do do some horrible things uh sometimes by accident sometimes on purpose they just work for the bad guys sometimes they work for the good guys like Triss sometimes Yennefer sort of in the middle that's what makes your character complicated and interesting um but uh you cannot trust male sorcerers sorcerers Strigobor uh, tricks even though Geralt's ready to be tricked by Strigobor in this episode Strigobor puts just enough in motion for, to force Geralt's hand to murder everybody including Renfrey who he's been running from and hiding from and trying to murder because she's on a murderous rampage it doesn't seem like this strong badass but somewhat sweet young woman not really sweet she's kind of a murderer here it is they showed this shot in the trailer I think both trailers him walking Siri I've said if you know if I'm Disney and this isn't just hypothetical I think they're probably doing this but if I'm Disney I'm immediately trying to sign they've tried to do this with with Murph with Mackenzie Foy as a Disney princess but she's so dark I don't think it made that Fran Allen who plays Siri is so obviously a Disney princess the good news for us not that I necessarily despise Disney but I also want other people to have great actors or great characters the good news for us is that if if it keeps getting better and more epic like in the books oh this is the suicide thing oh this is so hard to watch this is every, this is you know this is like uh, you see this in the Old Testament you know with some of the, the like the Maccabees and stuff and we've, we've seen this in, in other places but every, you know it's like Masada if you're Jewish the story of Masada the last like good guy Jews against the Romans you know right around the time of Jesus are holed up in the mountains and you know as the story goes supposedly and there's some archaeological evidence a few hundred or maybe a thousand of them stand up against thousands and thousands and thousands of Romans for like a long time like many weeks or months or something and then when it's clear that everyone's going to die they do this this is exactly what they do in Masada the Jews or the Israelites I should say they kill the children and then they they kill the, the mothers and then they kill themselves it's horrifying. And the thing is, this would have been horrifying, just Kalinthi jumping to her death, especially when we, here it is, especially when we revisit it later. Um, but that shot with Siri and Malsak in the tunnel, boom. That's like, uh, it was, uh, I didn't say Jean Azan, that's like uh, uh, Javert. Okay, so there are a few shots in this series that show that maybe they less time with Frey Allen than we thought, and they just keep showing the same shot over and over again. This through the, I think they're pretty much showing this small bit of tunnel here over and over again at slightly different angles, at slightly different, you know, uh, vantage points to make it seem way bigger. This is an obvious green screen, but these days, post-Lord of the Rings and, and Game of Thrones, doing affordable uh, medieval green screens is not that hard. And everything looks great for the most part. It never looks like uh, my mucus is getting so super dramatic. I love it, based on the Witcher theme. But anyways, Vilgefortz is amazing. We're going to get to him. But the point is, is that they're not just, for the moment, have some guys like the captain who are minorities to be like, we have minorities. Like, you know, <laughs> it's not a surprise there was controversy over uh, Anya Chalotra, Chalotra. Here's the big baddie who I'm still not clear who this guy is because he looks and acts like an elf guardian, but he's after, also after Siri. I'm not sure if they're trying to make this Dune. Honestly, for all the spoilers I know, I actually haven't been reading much other than fan reactions after the series. I don't know if they're hiding it or I'm just dumb. Oh no, there goes her escort with an arrow. Saves her life, would hit her in the head. Boom. She falls off. This guy wants Siri alive, so it, it's, it's, it could be an elf disguised as a human from the other dimension. Um, the RL or whatever the fuck they're called. The AL something. Um, here's Geralt. Is he already having a vision? This is in the past, I think. This is him and Renfrey getting in. Oh, oh. 
that was the other thing that was important was that it, you know there'd be some romantic attachment or interaction with these characters because he's constantly falling in love with women he might have to kill he should have killed Yennefer he's extremely lucky they both lived despite that it becomes stormy immediately between the two of them they're both extremely lucky that she extremely lucky that she lived so in the pregame I think I, I your reward will be a stoning. Right. She's she's just saying you're going to be harassed. People are going to hate you, which she already knows. So I said earlier um, in an intro that may or may not be in this, actually, uh, which is that it's unclear whether Renfrey is at all conscious of channeling the prophecy. And I'll have to go back and fully read the book. Um, but, you know, again... They they wanted to do Ciri's timeline and Ciri and they and Ciri's family and Geralt's t- somewhat earlier timeline and Geralt in the first episode and save Yen for two because Yen was going to be so epic through two and three and her transformation, um you know and, and you wanted to see it and this is Blavikant I mean w- we hear him called the Butcher Blavikant I think before this happens because also like in this this story the author Andrei Subkovsky uh has a predilection and does amazingly jumping both backwards and forwards in time fuck. Um, now, on the surface, you're going, these guys over and over, being confident they're going to be able to stop Geralt. Okay, this guy already looks scared. Stashing African dude. Boom. Slaps the arrow, Wonder Woman style. Yeah, the slow motion and, uh, and speeding up of the violence slightly is reminiscent of everything from The Matrix to Wonder Woman, all of which I love. Also, the early Viking seasons nailed these long one shots. I mean, the camera hasn't changed. I'm not sure when the camera's changing. That might have been a change. Boom. The artifact, his first big spell. Oh, yeah, he just used the art power. Maybe he's one of five. We'll get to the other ones, although he mostly uses art. I lost I lost track if there had been a cut. There's no, like, intentional cut yet. There still is no intentional cut yet. So he kills every single person in the in the butchering of Blavikan. The butcher of Blavikan kills everyone, all the bad guys in Blavikan. In what, seemingly a single shot that ends with it. Oh, I was wrong. It ends with a head chop. Oh, man. Chop off, chopped off the head. Oh, and here comes the hostage situation. This is exactly... Yeah, Strigobor... So, Geralt thinks that Strigobor, the wizard, is being, like, transparently evil. That he would go kill Renfrey. But Strigobor knows how crazy Renfrey is. She can't control herself being bad, you know, as a striker or whatever the fuck she is. <clears throat> who's, who's either is or is or taken over by some spirit of the forest is my interpretation. Everyone can have their own. But Stringerboard knows that all you should do is get Geralt romantically involved or even just interested in spending time around Renfrey and it would only be a short amount of time before she went nutso. And when you get it, even although he might have not foreseen that them having a relationship actually accelerates her being not so, and so as often is with the bad guy wizards or at least neutral wizards, they get what they want even when they seem like they're losing, and the bad guys don't get what the good guys don't get what they want even when they're winning. Of course, Geralt is is you know he's the redemptionist for you Star Wars fans out there, and he tries to redeem all these people even while they're you're killing them. But Strigobard knows this is going to happen, and he wins. And I don't I I forget. Of I'm really excited to revisit uh, the series saga for my, I guess, third time. I think I'm going to read it this time, not do audiobook, actually. Um, so it forces me to be a little bit more of a close reader. Uh, here comes the music. He's going to have to kill her. He's trying so hard to not... Um, 
I, so I don't think Geralt's a softie in this first episode, uh, but he has clearly can be somewhat irrational in terms of protecting himself around people, uh, powerful women like Renfrey. Uh, so saying was, it's important for Renfrey to be the one to get murdered because now we're thinking he's going to fall in love with other sorceresses and murder or want to murder them. And while it's sort of in a figurative standpoint, he would love to murder Yennefer at times. He loves her and would never actually think of killing her. He saves her life constantly. And in the end, she starts saving his life constantly. Yeah. I believe uh, one thing I did see on a quick pass on this story was in, in the in the book he slashes an artery in her leg which is more realistic and they actually could have pulled off along with the straight to the neck uh, but you know <laughs> I think again Andrei Zabkowski letting them do what they want it would, is, would have been not only okay but in support of this for for film so that he could hold her that way and we could see the blood that's why that's why people get killed in the chest and the neck and not the face if we want them to talk <laughs> having a dagger in her forehead would be would be distracting. Oh, look at this beautiful di- uh, on a diagonal shot. Gorgeous, gorgeous filmmaking, but like Rogue One, and I gave this the 10 out of 10, uh, Rogue One A+, not just 10 out of 10, A+, but 10 out of 10, Rogue One A+, is, well, there are some shots, like the Donnie Yen side-scrolling shot, uh, you know, I am with the Force and the Force is with me at the end of Rogue One, that they repeat uh, almost shot for shot, or I should say angle, uh, angle with I think either Yennefer or Siri I can't remember during one of the climactic final scenes oh no she sees it burning oh I get it he captures her to come back to his forces and now she sees she yeah she was told by her grandmother this was going to happen but being a little girl you'd never think this would happen and here is her first magical powers which we needed to see and then her going into the broke a lot uh I always forgot to pronounce it the um Mm. Sorry guys, just watching this amazingness. Uh Br- Brokalon, excuse me, Brokalon Woods. Um the main part of the Witcher 3 game, and he's still called the Butcher of Blavacan, so this sets up literally, naming-wise and thematic-wise, things that follow the Witcher around for good, bad, ill, and otherwise. Going forward, the Butcher of Blavacan, they tell him to get out. This is constantly happening. He's getting thrown into battles, actually to save other people from worse people. Um, you know, if Geralt was really forced to choose... So he is basically forced to choose in this episode, which I need to talk about. Amazing first episode. Well done, guys. He is, he's being forced to choose between Strigobor and, and, and Ramfrey. Um, you know, if he, if, if someone could uh, force him to tell the truth, you know, because he, he can see not being on anybody's side or being on everyone's side, like Captain America. I'm mean, making lots of Captain America comparisons. I know it doesn't seem like it, but he, this guy in his society is essentially becomes Captain America when it, once Siri comes into his life. And they have to hint that here along with his unpredictability and violence. Her mutation influences people, right? And according to the lore, this is, he's not lying. So, so they needed, a, you know, they needed to make it that that he would be forced to kill people, men, women, or otherwise, in this first episode. Obviously, monsters. He's right. This is straight from the book. He says, "I'm doing an autopsy in here ASAP." And, and Geralt says, "Don't touch her." But your body's in the streets of Blaviken, um, and. But they also throw off our expectations, especially if you're familiar with their later works, by Strigor being not as bad. He's clearly manipulative. 
you know, he gets what he wants, the murder of her, he tricks Geralt, and he and gets it to the point where Geralt has to leave, so now it's his town, Renfrey's not here, he's in charge, he's not hiding behind his walls anymore, Strigobor's got his own little kingdom, he's a bad guy, but he's not a bad guy in the, like, Game of Thrones or worst level bad guys that we get, starting with Vilgefort, who starts as a good guy, uh, which we'll get to as well, and now everyone's stoning Geralt, and now we hate everybody, and he killed her. And even though he's right that she's a murderer, he's, you know, the Strigobor, the wizard, is indirectly a murderer. And the, and the one person that he connected with, who we're seeing here, is actually a genuine person. And it tells, he's the one to tell him to leave. She's not throwing a rock at him, but she's throwing a rock at his soul. And if you played The Witcher 3, there's an early scene with him in Vesemir, who's the guy who trains him and raises him, who is teased at the very end of the series, who's going to be a huge part of the next five books, obviously, as they go to Kaer Morhen, which is where the witches are from, to train Ciri. Um, but in, in the first major dramatic scene, him and Vesemir are together, sort of during the early post-tutorial section of The Witcher 3, when you're going out in the world, you're doing submissions, you're killing some monsters, you're getting killed a lot, figuring out how swords work and blah, 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 and spells and blah, 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 blah. Um, oh, there's Renfrey's pen. That's interesting. Um, what a great first episode. Um, but uh, there's an early scene that, that that's like that scene that we just saw, where uh, unlike there, where there was um, a, a young girl, you know, who was kind of on his side at first and was heartbroken at telling him to leave, um, you know, for his own good or otherwise. Um, but, but in he's basically in a, in a sketchy tavern of you know that's. Yennefer knows he's there, as we will find out in that part of the game, but seemingly no one knows he's there. It's a backwater in the middle of nowhere. He's with Vesemir doing monster hunting, and, you know, we learn that monsters are as rare as ever in terms of work for them, and they basically have to save an innkeeper, even though the innkeeper expresses hatred towards them beforehand, but then her and the witchers are being threatened by a whole bunch of thugs. They have to murder all the thugs, and then he reaches out his hand in, in, after this dramatic battle to, to the innkeeper, and she just says, get the fuck out of here, basically. And so, again, that, that's just something you have to get used to, is he's often defending people who claim to not want to be defended, who don't want to be defended at some level, who have a death wish, who just don't understand the complexities of the world. He always thinks he's helping, and, and that early look of heartbreak there with the, with the, the little girl who he had, so had some sort of small but significant attachment with earlier on is reminiscent of that early scene in Witcher 3, and, and is important for establishing the character of Geralt. I could go on forever. Um, you know, I, I'm going to do a lot of talking, um, unlike Jessica Jones, where I do a lot of play-by-play, because that's a show I specifically love for the writing and dialogue. Uh, um, not that I don't with this one. I do, at least for the first few episodes, have to set up a few things. Um, so uh, I will stop there. It's a great first episode, um, but to loop around one of my earlier thoughts that I didn't quite finish, and I'll let you guys go, uh, join me for two through eight if you enjoyed it. I think they'll keep getting better, because I always sort of get my groove on as I go through this commentary has been a little while since the TV one. Felt good about this one. Um, but uh, um, is that, you know, I can't put this up there with Homeland Episode 1 or Vikings Episode 1 or, you know, Breaking Bad Episode 1 or, or even some other. Or yeah, I would even say first episode of Battlestar, whether you want the miniseries or the actual first episode, 33 and a third or 33 and a half, whatever it's called, 33, uh, is amazing. Um, but because th- this was the episode they had to do first in terms of the, the watchers, in terms of the series, in terms of telling the story, in terms of what was in the book essentially first, the intro to Geralt and then the story with Renfrey and Strigobor. So they're, they're following loyally as well. But I could already tell that they were going as serialized as possible 
specifically by having the two timelines so they could accelerate the series story. And, you know, when you're reading the books, you're not reading um, uh, uh, The Last Wish and Sword of Destiny at the same time. They decided to do that in the storytelling of the show while being incredibly loyal to the individual books. And so that's why we have to have Siri in the past and the present, or I should say our other characters in the past and the present, and the pre- present being mostly defined by Siri until, you know, Geralt and Yennefer sort of get to that point in time, I guess, join her in that point in time many years later from their sort of origin story. Um, it was the exact right way to go. Eight hours is, you know, even though The Last Switch isn't the longest book ever, a few hundred pages for a fantasy epic um, with a fairy tale flavor is very reasonable, um, but it's still eight hours. You have to cut so much out, and uh, that'll be something else we talk about is 99% of the time what they left out, and it's not that I'm glad they left it out, um, but, you know, these episodes are all almost an hour or over an hour. I used to complain at Game of Thrones if they were longer than 48 minutes, I would get itchy. These just lie by so much faster, even while doing the commentaries. I mentioned in the middle that it was cutting time was dilating, and then all of a sudden it was over. Um, my rewatches of this, it flies by. Um, so it's certainly the first time through. Interested to get your feedback on that, so thank you so much for joining me for the commentary. Witcher, season one, episode one, and uh, next is... What is the next one? Four Marks. And the, 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 the unbelievably disturbing but gripping uh, and endlessly fascinating complicated origin story of one Yennefer of Engelberg. Oh, Yennefer. And then we'll have... Guys, he's coming, Dandelion. Yes, Kier, call him what you want. I love him. I love him and Geralt. I cannot wait. I'm going to be dying laughing during those episodes. So hope you join me. Uh, thank you so much. Um, and hope you guys are enjoying uh, or loving the show the way I am. See you for episode two. But for now, the bizzle is out. 